0: You're Hey hey hey, howdy. Howdy. What is up? How's it going everybody? Welcome to another episode of Not Rocket Science, the show that talks about the intersectional relationship between business culture and technologic technologic. What is going on? Hope you guys had a great day, had a great week, all that good stuff getting into Getting towards the end of summer. End of summer. College football starts this Saturday. week earlier than usual, but still. Crazy. Crazy. I still feel like it's June. Don't like it. Do not like it, especially here in New York, because I know what's around the corner. It's that gross, gross season they call fall that everyone seems to love except me keep it summer i don't like foliage actually i do like foliage it's nice i just don't you know what it's not i don't hate fall i hate what fall represents i hate that is the opener for winter it is the appetizer for the main chorus, that is winter. And if winter is a main chorus for me, it's probably cafilta fish or some crap like that. No bueno. No bueno, por favor. Um, moral of the story, winter sucks. If you feel otherwise, come see me or email at not rocket science, not rocket science show at gmail.com. Okay. That being said, we're going to get into today's show. And this all right, we're going to do story time. We're going to play a little story time right now to kind of introduce the topic of today. We're going to get in the weeds a little and this is all based off a Twitter thread that I'll explain in a minute, getting into the nitty-gritty um when it comes to paid acquisition, i.e. ads that you pay for on search engines or on social media platforms, etc um it's just based on a twitter convo that i saw and it made me a little bit crazy because i'm seeing something that i've seen over and over again online in-house at companies and i just got to express myself but before i get into that i want to explain why i stumbled upon this random twitter thread um about paid acquisition for startups so i took an interview at this startup uh a while ago at this point probably like a month ago um i just took like a first you know brief phone call with the recruiter or whatever talked with him for a while seemed like a good dude i don't know i just took it on a whim he reached out to me i was like okay talked with them it's a hospitality startup um he explained with they were looking forward to the best of his ability. I explained what I'm looking for, what I'm into, etc. Talked about my background. You know, the typical stuff. Nothing too interesting. Uh, I think it went relatively well. He said he'll follow up about next steps. You know. So far, pretty standard. Um, Didn't hear for a while. Didn't hear anything for over two weeks, I'd say. Um, maybe going on three weeks, heard nothing. So I was like, all right, they found someone else, whatever, it's over, no big deal. Didn't, don't really care. I'm not like actively, actively like looking or anything. It's just somebody hits me up about something and it seems interesting. You know, I'll take a phone call. Um, or I'll take a second interview if it's worth it. Uh, and I'll even bomb a second interview as I mentioned last week. But, um, Anyway, this was before all of that, so this is going way back, and then all of a sudden out of the blue last week, I get an email, and he's like, oh, the main guy uh, wants to do a Google Hangout with you. I'm like, okay, cool. He's like, can you do this week? And this was like on Thursday. I'm like, this week? It's like a day and a half, bro. But I was like, anyway, sure. On Friday, I had some time in the afternoon. I was getting a haircut later, getting fresh had some time to kill whatever so i was like yeah book it for friday afternoon friday afternoon comes along uh i go set up my laptop to do the interview and whatnot and nothing nothing happens i go into like the go-to meeting or whatever it was i'm by myself on a web call no one comes in five minutes go by ten minutes go by this is a half hour call. At least it's scheduled to be. 15 minutes go by. 16 minutes go by. I'm like, all right, something, something's wrong here. I mean, I was doing other stuff while this was going on. But I was like, something's up. So then I email the recruiter. I'm like, dude, what the hell? The guy's not on the line. It's like his interview. He's on the, inv- in the, on the invite subject, not me. Um, What's going on here? So I hear back after five minutes, which is good. And now we're 20 minutes into this interview that's not happening, and then the recruiter guy was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, actually, he didn't even say "I'm sorry." He was just like, "Oh, uh, I'll reach out and try to see what's up." I know he's traveling today, so it might have to do with that. What? 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 That's the response. He's traveling today, so it might have something to do with that. Dude, you are a recruiter. It is your job to schedule things so both parties don't have other things to do. I did not understand that, but I'm gonna be like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna play it cool. Um whatever. I hear nothing, so I stop the interview, I go home. Um, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything over the weekend, nothing. And then today I got another email saying, oh, can you reschedule for next week? I'm on vacation next week, bro. I go on one family vacation a year and it's the last week of August. So I don't know what's going to happen with this thing. But anyway, that's what happened. I got stood up at an interview that someone reached out to me to schedule. Can you believe that? Um, yeah, that's a first for me. I've done a lot of interviews, and that is a first. But, regardless, it's all good. No harm, no foul. But, as I was researching for this original interview that didn't happen, I found the dude that was going to be interviewing me on Twitter, as you do, as you do, because, you know, you gotta do your research, right? And, uh... I just wanted to get a feel for him. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really care about getting in people's business or anything like that, but I I do like to particularly check out Twitters because you get a feel for the personality. Therefore you go to the interview feeling like you sort of on some basic ass level, know the person a little bit. So I just wanted to get an idea of what this dude was into very much into startups, very much into like Silicon Valley startup land. Um, It made sense. After some digging of the company, it all kind of made sense. But uh, I stumbled on this one thread that he just retweeted. He had nothing to do with. But uh, it's with these other guys. Started by the chief product officer of Eventbrite. Guy Casey Winters. Um, It was an interesting thread. And it it got me thinking. Um... The original tweet was startup realization number three. This guy had made a list of like startup realizations, I guess. And then he was, this one was the one that stood out to me. It was startup realization three, nine times out of 10, an inflection in an early stage company's growth is just that they turned on paid acquisition for the first time, which isn't too crazy by itself. Basically he's saying, um, a company's trajectory Internally, how they operate, everything, how they budget can totally change even by just turning on paid acquisition, which on the surface or at the time might seem fairly innocuous, but it could lead to a huge turning point in a company. Um, I'm guessing for the negative, I think it could just mean for the positive or negative, depending on um, organizational coherence and alignment. But anyway, the quote itself, whatever. But then someone talks about or asks i should say about influencers as the future of growth best roi with a cheap cost of acquisition and this guy's like, like totally against that he's like hell no very low maximum scope and probably a bubble that would that will burst in the next couple of years and then someone else chimes in there's another product vp guy and he's like a gateway drug that must be managed carefully because tech companies that Any size, million, 10 million, 100 million plus, can't kick paid search and social without huge changes in their business headcount forecast. Their marketing growth teams are partially built off of it. Their sales teams eat from it. Their revenue logo growth depends on it, meaning he's coming in as something. It's something that eventually you want to kick, but you can't kick because of the ecosystem that it creates within your marketing and growth teams. Um, and then the other guy who wrote the original tweet comes back and says, I'm getting somewhere with this. I don't want to, I just want to be thorough in my rundown here. It's the weakest form of growth due to paid acquisition death spiral. Unless there is a network effect underneath as you target worse and worse potential customers because you acquired the good ones already. conversion goes down, cost of acquisition goes up, lifetime value goes down. Until the cost of acquisition to lifetime value ratio um, goes back in your favor, basically. So the lifetime value is in a healthy place um, at least three times the cost of acquisition, hopefully more. And then it says, look at Blue Apron as an example. I work in the same industry as Blue Apron, and I can tell you that Blue Apron's problem was internal execution issues when they relocated their offices it has very little to do with mark i'm I'm sure they had as the early ish to mid-level startup irresponsible marketing spend lots of food startups do but where they really took it on the chin was during their um during their headquarters move And also their business model is limited because their product line is limited. And it was kind of leveraging a fad at the time, which was meal kits got very popular. A lot of the reason due to Blue Apron, but it seemed more like a fad than something sustainable because there's lots of other options. Meal kits are pretty narrow in terms of product offerings for dinner compared to Seamless Grubhub or Grocery online so trust me i know a lot about that subject blue apron might have been irrationally spending marketing dollars but that is not what costed them in the long run anyway back to the point the point is with all this back and forth i see it over and over again with these like financially minded product people I see the same mentality where they're trying to use unit economics. So unit economics is basically a way to calculate profitability in the future of a company based on um, acquiring one, quote unquote, unit of sale. And a unit can be defined in a number of ways. It could be a sale, like a conversion, like you bought a book on this bookstore online, or it could be... Acquiring a customer as a a user, a paid user, if it's like a SaaS model. There's a lot of ways you can draw it up. Um, But anyway, it's about using uh, projections and ratios and things like that, like lifetime value over cost of acquisition, things like that, to project profitability as you're to scale a business, Um, more or less. I'm no finance expert. I can't really give you the... Real nitty gritty when it comes to unit economics, but it's about calculating profitability based on sales, and um, you know, using customer lifetime value and acquisition costs and things like that to calculate it. In a nutshell, I'm a designer, man. I only know so much about this stuff, but point being is, it always comes down to this. Whenever I see these types of back and forth, there's always this thing where they take the number when they're doing these calculations of customer acquisition versus lifetime value, and they treat that number, that quantitative number that they got from, you know, their earnings last quarter or whatever, as the truth or the reality. Well, it is the reality in their world, but as like the standard truth for what the ROI is when it comes to paid acquisition. And on one hand, they kind of have a point where the point that's real in all this back and forth is that let's say you acquire your first round of customers through paid acquisition. There's a good chance the next round are going to be less sticky customers because you already got the best customers or the most sticky customers. That is very true. Um, But if you fall into that trap where you are reliant on squeezing out smaller and smaller margins of customers to reach around a paid acquisition like there's a bigger overarching problem with your marketing strategy Uh, that's a and then b the thing that no one ever talks about is paid acquisition is a strategic skill and it can vary from company to company brand to brand based on the talent you have and also what your business model is and whether or not your brand works as an acquisition hook on social platforms if we want to just talk about the social side because that's usually what people talk about when they talk about paid acquisition in 2019 if you have a brand that works on instagram that works on twitter that works on facebook which is kind of everything but facebook's kind of let's be real here it's the, the Facebook ad hustle is kind of on the downward these days. Um, but if you take Instagram, you take even Snapchat, you take LinkedIn, and then the next one's probably going to be TikTok. If your brand works on those platforms, just in terms of the user and the content you can put out as your creative you can get a substantially better ROI on your paid acquisition because it's a skill. It's a skill than a boring-ass tech company pumping out boring-ass creative with terrible copy, terrible imagery, etc., terrible video content. These are dynamic. Some work better than others. And this is why I like to get into the exercise of experimenting on these platforms, not in terms of paid social, but organic, and trying to see what works versus what doesn't from a creative standpoint. Because there are factors that will lead to better ROI. And they are creative. They are dynamic. They're not something you can look on a spreadsheet and take it as, you know, inherently, this is what it is. Existentially, the number is, Blank. It's always going to be roughly blank. Now, you need talent too. The same way you need talent in product management and design and engineering and development, it's all talent. If your talent sucks and your paid acquisitions looked at as an afterthought and you just repurpose the same content that you use on your other creative um, marketing channels, and package it for instagram or for linkedin or for facebook it's not going to do anything because it's not contextual to the platform I mean, it's the shit gary v's been barking about for seven eight years now but i don't get why when it comes to um you know silicon valley startups these guys never i know they get it i'm not saying they don't get it because it's not rockets on that was organic i was no pun intended it's not rocket science but um the point is the dynamic nature of paid social creative for acquisition can have a drastically different effect on what the roi is and then they talk about these cycles like i mentioned before where like you get your first round and then the second round is going to be less, third round even less, fourth round is even worse than that and it's like a they call it the death spiral. But again, if you have talent in place, you can create a strategy where you switch up which platforms you're paying for. You switch up your creative, you A/B test this stuff and you go to the next emerging market. And it's true, some some companies like a like a cybersecurity company you're, you probably shouldn't be going into paid social as much in the first place. Or maybe you should, but you should be very conservative and maybe only do Google and Facebook and the big players where you can segment your audience correctly for people that be into that, whereas it's going to be harder to find those people on, on um, you know other social platforms that have a more limited net and a younger demo. So I get it, but all things considered if you switch up what you do and you don't just rely on the big hitters like Facebook and Instagram for your paid social, if you mix things up creatively in terms of where you invest your money, you can get better results and you pick up patterns that are unique to your own company because you can't just rely on industry trends, obviously. And you could very possibly break the downward cycle if you do things correctly. But again, it's based on internal execution, alignment, talent, talent in the creative side of things, talent on the strategic side of things. And uh, it's just like, my frustration with this yet again is the dynamic nature of humans and humans working together never gets factored in these dorky product strategy, unit economic influenced... um back and forth on twitter and i like unit economics it's it's pretty cool i learned about it a little bit because the company i work for now our subsidiary was uh, founded based on unit economic principles Um, we knew that it was going to be profitable before it even launched because we did i didn't do obviously but other people smarter than me did a big unit economic deep dive and, you know, mapped everything out based on pure mathematics. So that was kind of how I learned about it. But uh the stuff is real. I just feel like the creative side gets um undervalued in these kinds of debates and it just gets annoying because a lot of these startups don't know what they're doing when it comes to paid social anyway and paid acquisition period they often don't know what to do with it because they're running a SaaS startup they're in the weeds when it comes to business development and you know technology and things like that they don't got time for paid social but if you go to an agency and talk to a really good agency that got their ears to the streets when it comes to this stuff and is doing it on a daily basis they have the the uh know how when it comes to trend forecasting to know how to do this long term know which platforms underpriced versus overpriced and how to position your brand in a way that has a much better shot of being successful than trying to do it in-house and it's just a line item on a list of 100 line items that you have to do And you're just throwing money at something and hoping it sticks. And I'm saying that as someone that has a disdain for agencies in most cases. The agency model, the way they try to sink their hooks into you on a retainer basis, to me, it's no bueno. Um, But I have to admit a thousand percent that when it comes to paid social and things like that, really good agencies know what they're doing way more than the marketing teams in-house because it's just it's a niche that they specialize in point blank but my overarching point was I got a little triggered when reading this thread because once again creative is usually looked at as a commodity and not something that's dynamic and can change based on talent based on brand to platform fit things like that And they're just treating everything as a blanket number yet again. And I've seen these types of debates over and over again on Twitter and it gets me heated. So I just wanted to say my piece on today's show and just talk about this bigger kind of rift between product and marketing and how as much as it sounds good in conferences and TED Talks and things like that where it's like all about organizational alignment, we need to work with our marketing partners. We need to work with our product partners. But at the end of the day i st- I keep seeing the same patterns over and over again and for me i'm in this weird spot because i work technically under product but i'm really into marketing and to me it's one the same thing it's like a yin and a yang i always talk about it one is persuading users to use your thing the other one is catering to users when making the thing but That doesn't mean in marketing user experience isn't key. In the game of fighting for attention, the opportunity comes when you do so in a way that creates a better experience when you're trying to get that person's attention. If you can do so in a way that provides a positive experience and not a look at me, look at me type of uh, emotional reaction to what you're putting out, then... You know, you're already on your way to getting your foot into the door of what can eventually be a conversion or acquisition um, in a much stronger manner than just doing the old, like, trying to get attention through being obnoxious and in your face. Anyway, I think the point was made. Um, that was it today. I'm going to be doing, I think, maybe two more shows this week just because of the schedule being a little hectic for the next couple weeks. So, yeah, keep it locked. If you guys have any thoughts on this, if you're in marketing, um, you have thoughts on paid social, paid acquisition, etc. or if you're in product and you hate it and you want to explain why I'm an idiot, feel free to hit us up at notrocketscienceshow at gmail.com or at nrs underscore show on Twitter or Insta. All right, y'all. I'm tired. Long Monday. I'll see you guys next week. Hope you guys have a good one. Thanks for listening and peace.